It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, we're going to continue our reaction to yesterday's game. It finished Arsenal nil, Manchester City won at the Emirates Stadium. And as always, uh, with an Arsenal defeat, it's prompted much debate around Arsenal's approach to the game, um, whether Mikel Arteta was right to rotate Um you know, whether Arsenal were brave enough on the day to to go out on the pitch, whether tactically we got it right. Lots and lots of debate off the back of this one. And um, particularly after a game like that, where there is uh, a fair amount of debate, I do like to kind of reflect on it again the next day and kind of put out another show whereby we look at it with a little bit more of a calmer head. Because understandably, you know, when you record a podcast 30, 20, 30 minutes after the conclusion of a game, um, often you can be a little bit over emotional, you can be a little bit frustrated. And um, yeah, you can, um, I'm not going to say assess the game wrongly, because ultimately, you know, if you do assess a game in a certain way, immediately after that, there's a reason you're feeling that way. But I wanted to kind of focus in on a couple of the elements uh, off of the back of yesterday's game. You know, did Arsenal show Manchester City too much respect? Did we see a lack of bravery? The kind of lack of bravery that maybe has been a bit of an issue for Arsenal in previous games this season. The lack of bravery that's seen Arsenal now lose more games than they've won in the Premier League this season. Um Failed to score in six of our home league fixtures this season, which would have been in years gone by unheard of. So there is a lot to unpack. There's a lot to discuss. Um, you know, I've seen Mikel getting some stick. I've seen some of the players getting stick off the back of this game. And and as I said yesterday, you know, on the post-match reaction show, the important thing to remember is that Manchester City, in terms of their quality, in terms of who they are, uh, as a side at the moment, are a million miles ahead of us, right? They've got all the funds in the world. They go and buy the best players. Um, we're talking about a club who spent hundreds of millions of pounds on fullbacks to try and solve that problem and still don't really have a left back, but nobody seems to care because they're um, they're so good uh, across the rest of the pitch. Um, you know, we, we're we a million miles from them. You're, you're talking about a, a manager who's had his foot in the door now at Manchester City for what four or five seasons Pep's been there um, so they've obviously developed under him they've learned his ways they understand his um, you know his tactics and and what he wants as a manager and then we're comparing that to one who's not even been in charge of Arsenal for a full season so in terms of measuring the two sides against each other it's very difficult to do that and, and you probably shouldn't do that because you know you look at it and, and we're just on different planets. We're competing in different worlds at the moment. So that would probably be unfair. 
But in terms of the game yesterday, you know, yesterday's game in isolation, we, we touched on it yesterday. The changes that Mikel Arteta made, in my opinion, um, you know, he had to do that. He had to he had to decide what was the priority and the priority because Arsenal uh, didn't get a really convincing result against Benfica in the week was was the game on Thursday. And Mikel Arteta had to uh, make a decision. I think a lot of the rotation was, um, was enforced. Uh, you know, you talk about Danny Ceballos um, had come back from an injury, came in uh, in the games against Leeds and Benfica, did actually really, really well. Um, I'm led to believe that he was one of the players that, struggled to train um, in the aftermath of that Benfica game and so Mikel had to kind of leave him out and with Thomas Partey injured you know you're talking about El Neni not being good enough but there was really no alternative for Mikel if he felt that he needed to give Danny Sabas a rest there was no um, no alternative I spoke about it on the review show I talked about the fact that I felt that in his kind of obsession with nullifying Manchester City uh, Mikel Arteta um, you know, focused on trying to do that rather than maybe focusing on our own game. And of late, we have established a bit of an identity. He's finally found a system and stuck with it. And you kind of felt as though with the situation being the way it is in the Premier League, you know, Arsenal uh, a long way away from the top four. This was a chance maybe uh, to just go after Manchester City, try and give a good account of ourselves. And I get why people see it that way. I get why people feel that way and feel like it was a little bit too negative. We didn't necessarily, um, you know, show any real confidence going into the fixture. But the, look, at, at the end of the day, right, prior to Arsene Wenger leaving, most of us would have sat here and said, well, we've been battered. We've been thumped by the big teams way too often. And that needs to stop. And Mikel Arteta has done that to a degree. You know, most of the time when we've lost against the bigger sides now, it's not been the fours, the fives, the sixes even that we suffered uh, during the back end of Arsene Wenger's tenure. So you can understand why Mikel Arteta has gone the way he's gone. I just feel like, I guess the lack of adventure maybe shows that whilst we're sitting here as Arsenal fans expecting the, the team to go out there and compete with the very best, that in the eyes of Mikel Arteta, we're still not anywhere near that yet. You know, he knows that. And if he didn't know that, he probably would be a little bit more expansive, a little bit more aggressive. Plus, you can set out to go and take the game to somebody like Manchester City. But when they dominate possession the way they do, then it's very, very difficult, isn't it? You, you know, you get the ball... Um, you know, you get the ball and, and you're very eager to make something happen with it. And often in your eagerness to try and use it um, right, you end up losing it because you take the risk. And and that comes off the back of a team struggling to get the ball. You know, you struggle to keep... I've gone around in a bit of a circle here. It's a bit of a muddle what I've just said. But basically the point I'm making is that if you cannot get on the ball, if you cannot get on the ball and dictate the tempo of the game and your opponent is doing that... When you do eventually get on the ball, there's obviously um, a kind of there's a, a there's a need to then go and make use of that ball. And in going forward and and trying to make it use or trying to play that killer pass too early, maybe you're giving the ball away, um, and then you're you're spending long periods of time again where you're not seeing much of it. So is it 
just that Mikel Arteta wasn't brave enough, that Arsenal weren't brave enough. Actually, Manchester City didn't allow us to be brave. They didn't allow us to do a great deal as well. And I think you have to consider that. You have to consider that we're talking about an opponent who's on a completely different level to us. But equally, having said that, I mentioned that I I didn't like the idea of Saka going back on the left and Pepe going back on the right. And I talked about that, in my opinion, that was because um, Mikel was was trying to deal with that inverted fullback, was trying to deal with João Cancelo coming in field and probably felt Bukayo Saka was more trustworthy in that kind of role. The issue is that, as I've said, in, in his obsession to stop Man City and his obsession with getting a tactical sort of one up on them. And if you think back to the game at the Etihad earlier in the season as well, where Arsenal uh, lost 1-0 and William played as a false number nine, you know, you can go back through the, the games that Mikel has, has been in charge of Arsenal against Manchester City and two out of three times he's tried to spring a tactical surprise. He's tried to, um, you know, he's tried to to do something to put the spanner in the works of this formidable and brilliant um you know uh Manchester City side so it's difficult to find the balance between being more competitive and being braver you know but the problem is here that if you're not brave especially in the Premier League when you're falling further and further behind then it feels like it's kind of well what's the point then you know, there's going to come a point, as I've said on, on recent podcasts, that Mikel's going to have to make a decision. Is it uh, the Europa League and nothing else? You know, is it that we uh, look at the Europa League, put all our eggs in that basket? We're going to be forced to do that anyway by the looks of things. But, you know, how important is it to Mikel that we improve our league position? How important is it to the club that we finish higher up the table? Is you know, all of that is is in the balance. You know, where where do the where do you draw the line? You know, is it just about going for broke for the Europa League? And if we finish tenth, twelfth, thirteenth, it doesn't really matter. Or is there a minimum expectation that the board have of Mikel when it comes to the league position, as well as uh, expecting him to go on and put on a fight for the Europa League? And look, if you go to the Europa League semi final, the final, and you get beat, you know these things happen. It's unlucky. Um, and um, I'm not going to say it's acceptable, but you can be forgiven. What you can't be forgiven for is going out of the Europa League at the round of 32. And if Arsenal fail to progress on Thursday night, then there will be a hell of a lot of pressure on Mikel Arteta, and rightly so. I'm not going to say that Mikel was, was wrong to be a little bit cautious in the game against Manchester City. I've seen suggestions that he was wrong um, to play El Nenny alongside Xhaka. It was too negative, too defensive as a midfield. But ultimately, as I've already alluded to, he didn't have a choice. You know, if Danny Sabas isn't fit, the priority, or wasn't 100% fit, I should say, the priority has to be that game against Benfica. And I'd much rather that Danny Sabas was in a better condition for that. So he had no real choice. With Thomas Partey out injured, we know options in the middle of the park are limited. Now, you can go back and you can talk about the decisions to loan out Matteo Genduzzi, to loan out Lucas Torreira on question and wonder whether they were the right calls. And I guess at the end of the season, we can look back on it all with hindsight and make a better and a clearer judgment. But I don't blame Mikel for rotating. I don't blame him for being a little bit cautious. I just feel like that cautiousness... 
has maybe prevented us picking up a, a few more points this season. I'm not talking about Manchester City. Um, you know, you can easily lose to to um, uh, you know to, to Manchester City. It happens. Um, you know, it's not a disgrace by any stretch of the imagination. But there have been games at home, particularly early on in the season, where we did play the three at the back, where we did play with the wing backs and the two defensive midfielders and no number 10. And we tried to be uh, a little bit more watertight. And actually, we probably ended up drawing or even losing games that we should have won. Uh, we should have gone for broke in. So I think the cautiousness overall has been a little bit of an issue at times this season. I'm not saying it was a major issue yesterday, as I already alluded to. Um, it's a very, very difficult task, isn't it, to get anything out of Manchester City. But given where we are in the league, um, given that the, the qualifying for the Champions League via the Premier League looks very unlikely now, very difficult, was Mikel wrong to not just take the shackles off and say, go on, boys, go and give it a game, go and give them a game, take the game to them? It depends where you are as a fan, right? As a fan... Do you prefer to, to get beaten 3-0 but you took the game to the opponent or do you prefer to stay in the game until the very end and lose narrowly? Like Which one of those is, um, is, is better for you? Which one of those do you prefer? Do you prefer to see your team trying to go for it or do you appreciate that sometimes you have to be a little bit more pragmatic? And it depends on people's points of view, right? There's different points of view. In years gone by, we'd have all sat there and said, Oh, Arsene Wenger goes everywhere and he tries to take everybody on and he picks youngsters and he does this and he does that and we come away with six, seven nil defeat. Um, you know, and it's embarrassing. But then during Unai Emery's tenure, one of the things I was unhappy about was that I wasn't enjoying watching my team play football. So there is a balance to be struck, right? The balance is that you need to be competitive in the big games, but you need to be um imposing in the games against the smaller sides. And I actually think that whilst a lot of the debate off the back of this game has been around, did Mikel Arteta get it right? Did Mikel Arteta um, try to be too pragmatic? And was that a problem? Actually, the debate should be, has Mikel Arteta at times this season cost us by playing that way? I don't think yesterday was a case of that. Rotation, as we've said, was necessary Um with with Thursday's game coming up and it really is now Europa League or bust you know we're all going to be watching that game and I can imagine that if the unthinkable happens and Arsenal do suffer an exit then um, then uh, I fear for Mikel Arteta and I fear for him not necessarily in terms of the club pulling the trigger I fear for him in terms of the fans I think there is a lot of fans that a kind of where I am, who who do think there is some progress, who do feel as though we're slowly but surely going in the right direction. Um, but for those that are on the fence or for those that are, are anti uh, Mikel Arteta at the minute, that is the kind of ammunition, ammunition they need uh, to move fully over to that side. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see. Let's go over to the live chat and see what some of you guys are saying as well. Uh, big hello to... Um, to every single one of you joining us make sure if you haven't already that you smash the like button subscribe to the channel if you're new as well uh really really appreciate it big hello to one of our members t talks and to tom smith who says afternoon harry 100 agree with the title too too much respect um 
AM says Pep showed resistant from demolishing Arteta. I think they were held back by Pep as a favour to Arteta. Do you think that? I've seen that um, that kind of suggestion banded about quite a bit in the aftermath of this one. I'm not entirely sure, though. That's the case. Uh, Said Abdullah says, good afternoon, Harry. Yesterday was my birthday. Happy birthday to you, mate. And he says, I'm really disappointed with the performance. I know City are better than us and nobody expected us to win. But we didn't do nothing. We just accepted 1-0. This is the thing, though. Do do you guys think that from a from a management perspective, from a player perspective, that Arsenal really didn't want to try and get back in the game? Because I find it hard that if you're a competitor at the top level, right, you can be in a game where, you know, you're you're trailing, but it is, of course, retrievable. It was just a one goal deficit. I find it difficult to believe that those players didn't want to turn the game around. I actually think, um, as T Talk says here, it wasn't about maybe too much respect. It was probably more about a lack of quality as a team. And maybe we just didn't have enough about us to impose ourselves. And, you know, that's probably the more likely outcome. I don't, I can't put my hand on my heart and say those Arsenal players were not trying to turn the game around or didn't want to turn the game around. It just felt like we struggled to impose ourselves against a team that are much, much better than us. Um, Double A FIFA says, hey, mate, do you think that if we lose on Thursday that Arteta will be sacked? by the end of the season, considering this is our last chance of a trophy and getting into the Champions League. If we were to go out on Thursday, I don't want to see Mikel Arteta sacked, right? I I want to see Mikel Arteta given the rest of the season. But as I've said on, on podcasts before, the minute next season kicks off, the pressure is on Mikel Arteta because ultimately it looks as though, you know, we're, we're coming towards the end of February. We're in a highly unsatisfactory league position we're out of the FA Cup we're out of the Carabao Cup and so if we were to crash out of the Europa League in the round of 32 for me that's just not acceptable and I think the club will give Mikel the benefit of the doubt I think they will um, allow him until the end of the season and probably try and back him you know to a degree again we don't know how much that backing will be based on the the current circumstances the world finds itself in. But I do think that Mikel Arteta will be given um, the remainder of the season, regardless of what happens on Thursday. But if Arsenal do exit the Europa League at this stage, you know, as I said, I can accept a a semi-final defeat. I can accept a final defeat. What I can't accept is is, um, going out in the round of 32, finishing completely off the pace, um, you know, it, it's not acceptable. It's not accepting of mediocrity when people kind of defend Mikel Arteta. But, you know, it is just an understanding and a, 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 a realistic sense of where we are. But I guess the point here is I would still want him to stay in the job until the end of the campaign and in the summer and see how we kick off next season. But... I would understand why there would be fans out there who won't want to see that and will feel that off the back of that, um, Mikel Arteta could end up um, losing his job. So, um, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at at the moment with this. Um, Baker Man says, be honest, if we lose on Thursday, do you back this manager with serious funds in the summer? That's a decision for the club to make. But, uh, you know, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? You know, will there have been signs of significant progress enough progress to suggest that the club should go out on a limb at a time like this to back him if we don't go far in the Europa League and we we finish 
mid-table, then you could argue that there hasn't been enough uh, progress. There hasn't been enough um, on show to to evidence that he's warranting of the money. But then, you know, where are the club at? And this is the this is the thing that matters, isn't it? It doesn't really matter where you or I are. It matters where the club are at. You know, are the club still fully invested in Project Mikel Arteta? And if they are, and if they are as invested as they say they are, then you'd have to imagine that regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season, Mikel Arteta will be, will be given the funds that the club can afford uh, to spend in the summer. Uh, big hello to Ebby as well in the chat. Uh, Banos says, why move Saka on the left when he's been so dominant on the right? Completely agree with that. That was my biggest criticism of Mikel Arteta yesterday. Uh, wrote a piece on it as well today. Um, you know, why Why did he move him? And, and I come back to that point I said previously. For me, it's to do with this obsession that Mikel Arteta has. Uh, with getting one over on Manchester City tactically. Is it an obsession or is it an acceptance of the fact that he doesn't feel his team at anywhere near the level of competing with Manchester City? Maybe. And perhaps the inside knowledge that Mikel Arteta has of Manchester City is actually working against him in a way because he feels like he needs to tap into that. He can't put that to one side and focus on his own team's game. He feels that because he has that knowledge and that understanding that maybe some of the other Premier League managers don't have, he needs to use it somehow. He needs to tap into that. And maybe tapping into that means that Arsenal are overthinking these games. You know, Arsenal are are going into these games more focused on what Manchester City are going to do than what their game suggests. And look, we know that Arsenal aren't on the level of City right now, but let's let's be honest. You know, when Arsenal are in full flow and Arsenal are playing well, Arsenal are a handful as well. You know, and Arsenal, you know, weaker teams this season have caused Manchester City problems than Arsenal. So, you know, is it a bit of a handicap? The fact that he knows what Pep's going to do, and the fact that he studies them so closely and and tries to identify ways of of derailing them. You know, I talked about the Willian example back in October when we played him at the Etihad. You know, he. He decided to essentially play Willian as a false nine to try and spring a surprise. I don't know. Is it an issue? Is it something that Mikel Arteta suffers from when he comes up against his old club? I don't know. It's a good discussion, though. Uh, big hello to Jashar um, and, of course, to Steve Stone. Um, I hope you're all well. Uh, 28 Guy Happy says, looking forward to tonight, Harry Lee and Dan are going to have you for dinner. Such a big game Thursday. Listen, as I said to the guys in the WhatsApp group today, um, when it comes to when it comes to the uh, the same old Arsenal, and we're discussing with them guys, and um, and they're getting on on Mikel's back, it's my uh, it's my bit of outreach work for the week, educating them on uh, on Mikel Arteta's management. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I love the guys to bits, and look forward uh, to doing that tonight. Make sure you come and check it out. Same old Arsenal live, seven p.m. right here on YouTube. Uh, Sam says Arteta's tactics for 75 to 80 minutes were fine. Only few teams can go toe to toe with City. So not sure why fans are so angry. However, he should have went for it in the last 10, 15 minutes with it being only 1-0. I agree. But I think, Sam, that is. um, You're thinking in an ideal world. And, you know, sometimes when you play a little bit more cautiously and your mentality is one way, I think it's very difficult, actually, to just in the last 10 minutes go fuck it we're gonna go we're gonna go for broke here it's not always easy to switch that and often 
your opponents prevent that happening. And Man City, you saw it towards the end of the game. They were keeping the ball really, really well. You know, Ruben Diaz steps into midfield. Jao Cancelo pushes up the pitch. And then you get, um, you know, John Stones moving to the right and Zinchenko to the left and Fernandinho dropping deep. And Manchester City are so good at keeping the ball. And it's almost like, well... You want to take the game to them. You know, you want to try and turn the screw, but they don't allow you to do it because when Manchester City are in the form that they're in now, they're just so good and it's so difficult to deal with. Steve Stone says, um, brilliant comments in the Discord from different viewpoints. Well done and game members. If you are interested in becoming one of the Chronicles of Aguna members coming into our Discord server where we have lots and lots of great debates throughout the day, uh, then click on the link in the description. Check out the free tiers available. Access to the Discord server is available at whichever tier you pick, and we'd love to have you. Um, so, yeah, thanks for your continued support, and we'd love to have more of you in there for sure. Uh, so if you're interested, just uh, click on the link in the description. Uh, Pranjal says, I think we will win against Benfica, but my God, can't imagine the scenes if we lose. I feel like I just want to quit social media if um, if Arsenal lose on Thursday. And, um, you know, Arsenal could go out and, and create 25 chances and miss every single one. And Benfica go down the other end and nick a goal and it will be Mikel Arteta's fault still somehow. Um, because there's this kind of this need amongst certain sections of the fan base nowadays to be proven right. And it's a competition. It's like a dick measuring contest. Who's going to be proven right? Who's going to be proven wrong? When actually people forget that we all want the same thing, right? And that is Arsenal to win football matches and Arsenal to progress. Uh, Stuart says, on your Harry for the content. Painful always getting up early in Perth, Australia. But I can see good movement within the club. Just need the manager to be backed. Yeah, and I think, Stuart, you're, you're right. It's very important to be able to compartmentalise, is that the word? Certain games and understand that those games are not reflective of of the overall progress of the team i think that's what you need to be able to do as an arsenal fan right now uh giovanni bergantino one of our members he says compare it to all the other games that city have played liverpool slapped everton slapped spurs slapped villa slapped chelsea slapped agreed and then he says considering for about 20 minutes we looked the better team i didn't think it was that bad especially given again given we played against the best team in europe yeah agreed man um agreed uh, a few of you saying um you know that that we should have gone for it at the end, and and I agree with that. I just don't think it's um. I just don't think it's always that easy um to just to just flick a switch and say right we're going to be gung ho now. Uh, Karen Russell says, "What do you think about the Martinelli situation? Why do you think Mikel isn't playing him?" I'm going to come on to talk about that on the stream later. So this evening's stream is going to be about. Uh, or is going to be largely focused on the whole Gabriel Martinelli issue. So I don't want to go into it too much right now. Uh, but join me um, from 5.30 today and um, we will discuss that because it is a big talking point at the moment and it's one that a lot of people are raising. So we we are going to talk about Gabriel Martinelli a little bit later on, Karen. But thank you for your question. I promise I'll address it um, in detail on the show later today. Um Harry Land says, I do think Arteta overthinks. I appreciate City are the most fluid team around, but we made so many tactical adjustments. When we did have the ball, it just felt like there were no options. Agreed. Said Abdullah says, I have a feeling that signing maybe two players in the key positions will transform the team. 
What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you only need to look at someone like Bruno Fernandes at United, you know, and a couple of you have brought him up in the comments in recent days. You know, you make a change like that and um, or you bring in a player like that and it can transform your team. I, I, I feel like Arsenal still need that. I, I'm starting to worry about the forward line a little bit. I've got to be honest. Um, I'm starting to feel like we're shoehorning in Aubameyang into positions that don't really work for him because of the contract we gave him. I'm starting to wonder if giving him that contract was the right thing. In hindsight, of course, at the time I wanted them to give it to him. Absolutely did. I'm not going to deny that. And I don't even blame the club for doing it. But you can still look back at something and, and say, did it work out? And I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure it did. Uh, Dan Potts says, get the likes up, people. Great content as ever, Harry. Cheers, mate. And I look forward to chatting to you later on. Uh, make sure you guys hit the like button it's very very important to subscribe to the channel uh if you are new um Jasha says hi harry yesterday felt like a friendly organized behind closed doors for the benefit of kevin de Bruyne and ig have i gone blank who's ig uh, ilkay gunduan sorry bloody hell. terrible of me um Aeson says we we should have gone for it because it wouldn't matter if we had lost one nil or two nil yeah I, I get that but then the same people that say that and I'm not talking about you Aeson but in general the same people that are saying we you know we should have gone for it will be would be having an absolute shit fit if we got spanked as well so it's um it, it's a hard one isn't it it's a hard one um Baker Man, love the name, says, how much do you think we would have gotten for Oba last summer? Really difficult question, mate, because last summer wasn't like other summers. You know, we're talking about a summer where a pandemic has essentially, um, you know, KO'd the transfer market because, yes, there was some big money spent by certain clubs tending to be clubs with sugar daddies like City, like Chelsea. Um, but in terms of, in terms of, the general market, it was deeply damaged by what happened. So I do wonder if um, Arsenal would have got the fee that was was right for Aubameyang at the time. And, and it, they probably wouldn't have. And I think the fact that there wasn't much movement in general probably um, impacted on Aubameyang's decision to stay put as well. And I think we shouldn't discount that completely. So I, I don't know. It's a really difficult one, that. It's a really difficult question to answer. Um, <sighs> this one comes from Maximus. He says, Arteta is clearly the best manager in the Premiership. I mean, 11 losses in Wenger's first four seasons. He lost 11 matches. Interesting. Um, look, I'm not saying that, you know, that Mikel Arteta is the best manager in the Premier League. I don't think I've ever said that. I just... I just, I'm I'm still, I don't know, I'm still hanging on in there with him, you know. I'm still looking at him and I'm still thinking that it can, it can turn around and having put so much time into him and having put essentially, you know, their faith in him as a football club, I think if they sacked him now, it would still be a little bit premature. Look, at the end of the season, we can, um, we can have a, 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 a real rethink and a real, reassessment of where Arsenal are and I think that's the right time to do it I think it's very easy now to look at the league position to look at the fact that you know we're out of the two domestic cups to be worried that we have to put all of our eggs now in the Europa League basket and become almost a little bit more stressed than we probably should be as a result of that so I think the best time to assess the season um, and to look back is to um, 
you know, is to do that at the end of the campaign and, and, and try and work out from there where we go and, and how we go forward. Maximus says, I respect you, Harry. You're a smart bloke. It's okay to say he's garbage. I, the, the thing is, mate, if I thought he was garbage, look, you, lots of you were, were followers and, and listeners of the podcast when Unai Emery was in charge. And I told you that I thought Unai Emery was garbage. Maybe not. Maybe that's the wrong term. I thought that Unai Emery was not the right fit for Arsenal. I don't think he's a terrible manager. I'm not saying that. But I didn't think he was the right fit for Arsenal. I, I just didn't think it worked. And um, I made my feelings clear on that. And I'm not afraid to do that again. You know, if I genuinely thought that Mikel Arteta was completely useless and that we were going in completely the wrong direction, then I would... Um, I would say it, but what what I probably learnt from the Emery situation is that when everybody was saying that, you know, how we'd gone on this 22-game unbeaten run or whatever it was and that we missed out on the Champions League by just a solitary point um, at the end of his first season and we got to the Europa League final, but then we got spanked. Everybody was looking at the results and going, oh, they weren't, it was near misses, but... At the time with Emery, I was looking deeper than that. I was looking at the performances. I was looking at the development of players. I was looking at the the style of play. I was looking deeper than just the results. And that's why I wasn't a fan of Unai Emery. So now if I looked at Mikel Arteta and only focused on the results, I'd be a hypocrite, wouldn't I? Because I'd be... I'd be assessing him differently to the way I assessed Unai Emery. The results play a part. Of course they do. They play a massive part. But... For me, when judging a manager in his first year, first 18 months, results are part of it, but they're not the only part of it. And you need to look deeper. You need to scratch beneath the surface a little bit. And I'm, I did that with Unai Emery. And that's why I called Unai Emery out before most people did. I got tons of abuse on all sorts of channels and platforms because I wasn't a fan of Unai Emery. Because at the time, I was looking deeper than just what the results were saying. And so if I now switch my approach, switch the way in which I assess a manager and look solely at the results of Mikel Arteta, I'd be hypocritical and I'd not be sticking to the way I feel I should assess the the performances and the way the manager goes. I didn't think Emery was right for a number of reasons. Results weren't at the top of that list necessarily. Um, With Mikel Arteta... I have to be mindful of applying, I guess, the same criteria. And yes, the results aren't right, but the other stuff looks better to me than it did under Unai Emery. And that's why I'm still willing to give him a bit longer. But anyway, um, that brings me to the end of this uh, live podcast. As I said, we're going to be back later on today, 5.30, with another stream. We're going to be talking Gabriel Martinelli and a couple of other bits and pieces as well. So come and join me for that one. Turn your notifications on. uh, Make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you're interested in the membership, click on the link in the description. We will be back later on with more. Until then, ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.